I'm honored and privileged to be here today. And uh, Pastor Tom, thank you. And uh, love you and your wife and been praying for you. And uh, uh, honored to be here with friends. I come in and I know quite a few people here. And uh, it's neat to be at a church I've known for a long time. My dad actually preached here quite a bit for Brother Al and uh, over the years. And uh, uh, so it's really neat for me to be here and to share with you about missions, worldwide missions, but not just worldwide missions as in think in a foreign country. I want us to always focus. I see missions as Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost. I'm missional wherever I am, wherever I'm going, whatever context I'm in. I'm being missional. So you see the picture on the screen. Uh, I'm blessed. Uh, this uh, is my family, my wife, Kelly, and uh, she's here with me today. And Abby is not. She's uh, on a trip with the Baptist Collegiate Ministry uh, with UTC. And uh, our son Noah's here and our daughter Emma's here. And we were blessed uh, to be uh, at Calvary Baptist Church uh, for 25 years uh, served there at first as a youth pastor, actually in the children's church, volunteered there, uh, started working with the youth ministry, and they actually started paying me. I said, you actually get paid to do this? And so started getting paid to do that, and uh, man, uh, served there, uh, youth assistant, interim, and pastor. And Tom, there's a big difference between being interim pastor and pastor. I can tell you that right now. And but so blessed. I, I just got to be honest with you. I miss our church family. Uh, when you're there that long, uh, you develop friendships and we're still friends today. Was able to leave the church and leave it in a good way. And no perfect, you know, I, one thing I've learned, uh, you uh, do something, there's always things you wish you would have done a little differently. And uh, so we, we have that in mind, but we also know that we're able to leave it in a good way. So we're thankful to be here with you. Would you open your Bibles this morning to Jonah chapter one? I'm going to get there, but I'm going to work through a few uh, slides there and some things that I'd like for you to see. So we're talking about short-term trips. And I, I really want to focus more tonight. Hope you come back tonight. I know, uh, as uh, Pastor Tom would uh, say, it's not, uh, you don't usually have big crowds on Sunday night. There's a lot of things going on, but I would encourage you to come back. I'll share even more uh, uh, ways that you could get involved with SCORE and minister there and uh, short-term ways. So many things that we're doing. Uh, unbelievable. There's so many things and it'd be hard for me to describe that this morning. But uh, a little bit of my own story as a teenager and understanding about short-term trips and the effects and the impact of short-term trip picture you see on the screen. That was me uh, back in the day, back in the 80s, if, I'm, if you know what I'm saying, and had more hair then, was a little lighter at that point. And i am uh, got my arm around actually a missionary that is in Romania. And that is Gerald Zemer, one of the best missionaries I know in the whole world. He's planted almost five churches there now, and is an incredible missionary. But that was our first time short-term domestic trip. That was in Farmington, New Mexico. Went on a trip with Highland Park Baptist Church. Bus broke down like, I don't know, four or five times on the trip. And that was just part of it. That was part of the fun. I remember eating soggy sandwiches on picnic tables along the way, things like that. Great trip. But what's the coolest thing, the other picture there, that's uh, another part of the group there. 
And uh, man, uh, we broke down there, had to spend the night in the desert, and there's monuments, these rock monuments there, and uh, we're hanging out, we're singing praises of God, we're sharing testimonies. We see this motorcycle coming up through the desert there, and he breaks down right there in front of our rock monument. We climbed down the rock monument, started talking about Jesus, the gospel, and this is the first young man that I got, had part of leading to the Lord uh, on that trip. So our first term, short-term mission trip started. Then uh, roll the clock forward, and um, my wife and I just been married for a short time, and uh, we went on our first mission trip to Dominican Republic. And I want to just stop and slow it down for just a second and say this to you. Uh, my salvation was in 1984 at 14. My wife and I got married in 1994. We'll be 25 years here this coming May. And I'm telling you, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, but I'm also blessed to have a wife like my wife Kelly. But I was blessed also to go on my first trip, mission trip, international mission trip in 1996, and God drastically changed my life and used that in my life to impact me. So we can show that next picture there. That's one of our groups that we took, and then we'll go to the next picture there. And uh, that's another group we took and was blessed also to take my youngest brother. My brother, I have a brother, you know how it is, uh, I have five brothers and sisters. And uh, my mom and dad come to me, mom comes to me and I'm like almost 16 and she goes, uh, uh, we got a secret to tell you. And I go, what's that? She goes, we're going to have another baby. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so anyways, uh, that was Dustin, he was on that trip. The next slide is really cool because... Um, so we started taking these trips, and I, it really impacted me. It really impacted me doing these short-term mission trips. Now, that's a big group. There was about 60 on that trip. And some cool things about that is uh, our whole family got to go on that trip. So my wife, Kelly, Abby, Noah, and Emma, they're on the trip. And I want to encourage you uh, people to take your whole family on a mission trip. It will impact you forever. And it has, our family. It's in, and I'll share but uh, one thing that happened on this trip, for five days I was in the Dominican Republic with a kidney stone. Yes, I said a kidney stone that I couldn't pass. And it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, it was, uh, I, it was bad. Uh, I'll never forget it. I'm in that picture, and I, I, I kind of laugh when I look at that picture, because I'm smiling. And I'm smiling because I've got morphine in me right there. And, and my wife uh, did not tell me this until later on. She said, uh, uh, babe, they told me, I called uh, your doctor, your urologist, and he said, whatever you do, don't put your husband on the plane. And she says, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get my husband on the plane, and we're getting back to Chattanooga. And I said, praise God you got me back to Chattanooga. 20 years ago, God used a mission trip to burden burdened me about missions, short-term missions. One thing that, Tom, that really got me was here we are, we're taking these groups of teenagers and young adults and adults, and we're going thousands of miles away, spending thousands, $1,500 to go on a short-term mission trip. And then what are we doing when we come back to our own Jerusalem? And so it really hit me hard. I was like, man, we, our kids, I see our kids all excited handing out tracts and they can do this when they go into Dominican, go to Costa Rica, go to Cuba, go to Peru, all these, but man, they're all excited. Uh, people in a foreign country, they're going to take your track because it's the respectful thing to do to Americans. But what are you going to do when you come back? 
So it gave me a great burden. What are we going to do in Red Bank? So for y'all, Saudi Daisy, North Hickson, whatever. But for us, it was Red Bank. What are we going to do? And man, it really placed a great burden for me in our Jerusalem. See, I think it's in your uh, bulletin today, Acts 1-8, uh, about Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost, Samaria and the uttermost. And uh, man, I just understand this, and I'm to be missional wherever I'm at. I began to take our youth groups, talked about that. But then we went here recently, right before I left Calvary, we went on a trip to Ecuador. I want to, again, paint the picture as we get into the message today about short-term trips. We can flip to the next picture there. Uh, this was a group from Calvary, and I will say on this trip, I was the youngest, one of the youngest on the trips. I mean, on this trip. Uh, there was people in their 70s and 80s on this trip. And uh, you would think, man, I'm too old to go on a mission trip. I'm too old to go on mission for God. I'm too old to do that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. These people outwork the teenagers any day of the week. It was incredible to see. But it's really cool to see us all come together as one. If you look on the screen, right in the front, there's a man there with a the toboggan on. His name is Clever. Clever was one of the first Christians. I'm going to talk about his dad here in a moment. But Clever was one of the first Christians there in this Quechua village in Ecuador. Will and Laura Lyon are the missionaries there. Clever uh, built this house and built a mud hut that we stayed in. Yes, I said a mud hut. We stayed in mud hut. It's probably the most, the nicest mud hut I've ever stayed in. I've only stayed in one. But uh, uh, it was incredible. And uh, Clever did all this so that the American missionary could host people here in this village. And man, I'm, you're talking about someone that's just on fire for God, loves the Lord, and wants to make an impact. And he's using what God has given him, the town's abilities. He's given his property, his land for the uh, missionary to use. Incredible to see this. But here's the group. We come together. Look at the next two uh, uh, pictures there. So you got people. Here's what I know about short-term mission trips. Well, I can't do much. I can't sing. I can't play the guitar. I don't, I'm not real artsy. I can't do that. You know, we start throwing the excuses up as to why we can't go on mission for God. And here's what I discover about mission trips. I see everybody doing something and everybody using their talents, their gifts, God-given gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. So you got some that are laying out the plan, some that are uh, sanding, some that are cutting, some that are nailing and putting windows together and fixing those up. We, we put together a library. There's guys out there cutting. We, uh, we scraped and sanded the side of brick and stained that. We did all kinds of stuff. Some held a ladder, some hauled dirt, but everybody had a big part in that last mission trip. It was incredible for me to see uh, things that went on, electrical work, all those things going on at that trip. But here's what I want you to see, the next picture. Because on a short-term mission trip, God allows you to meet people that will impact your life. This man is named Manuel. I mentioned Clever earlier. And this is that disciples making disciples. The impact of one getting and receiving Jesus Christ and pass that on to someone else. The next generation, the next generation. And it's an incredible thing to see. So this is Manuel. This is Clever's dad. Manuel is the first Christian in this Quechua village. Man, I love Manuel. This guy, you can just see, I mean, he's got a smile. He's got a love for the Lord. And I mean, just a very poor, very uh, primitive man, but he loves, I mean, this guy's rich. This guy's rich. And so got to meet him. This is Will, the missionary beside him. 
And uh, Manuel, this is what Manuel had to suffer. I want everybody to hear this because we go through our routine in the United States and we kind of have our comfort of going to church and doing our faith and living out our faith. This man, the very first thing, as soon as he gave his faith to Jesus Christ, as soon as he said, I'm following Jesus Christ, he was persecuted by the people in the village, his family. They were throwing rocks at him. His family, they were persecuting him. They were cursing him. They were doing all kinds of horrible. They wanted him out of there. They didn't even want him in the village. They wanted, they wanted you're out. We're done with you. You, are, you have turned to a faith in Jesus Christ. We're done with this. But here's what I love, y'all. Listen, this is a picture of faith. And this is a picture of I want to trust God no matter what comes my way, no matter what persecution may come my way. Uh, excuse me, Manuel stayed with the stuff now in this village that was persecuting him and was trying to run him off. There's a Baptist church there. There's a, a, a library and training facility there. And there's the first American missionary there in this village. It's an incredible thing. Hey, is that, y'all, is that exciting to y'all today? That's pretty exciting, right? That's pretty exciting. Let me show you the last picture. So this is, uh, this is part of our work. We stain those uh, bookshelves and stain the rafters there and uh, stain the wall. I mean, I, I, we stained everything. Good Lord. I mean, we did it all. And put the lights in and, and things like that. And uh, one other thing we did was we brought uh, the books uh, for the library. And you, it, it's like kid in a candy store, man. These guys, these are pastors and leaders in the Quechua village. And they just soaked it up. And here's what we did. I got to spend four hours talking about discipleship, speaking about discipleship. And I mean, they just soaked it up, just sitting there writing notes. Here's how we broke bread. This is what they love. All right. If you ever go to, to Ecuador, this is what they love in Ecuador. Take beef jerky. They love beef jerky. So does my son. He loves beef jerky too. So I can't take him with me because he would take all their beef jerky, but I'm kidding. But, uh, and they also love strawberry Twizzlers. So we did Bible study over beef jerky and strawberry Twizzlers. It was a lot of fun. Here's what I love about this. These men love the gospel. How many of y'all love the gospel this morning? Y'all love the gospel? Hey y'all, it's okay to raise your hand and be excited about it. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the thing that you hold in your hand, whether it be through phone or through the printed pages, the gospel. There's a lot of people that do not have the privilege we have today to have the gospel. We have the gospel. They love the gospel. They're ready to be trained. They're ready to be trained to be a disciple that makes disciples that makes disciples and give the gospel. They're ready. They're ready to plant churches, and there's a great need there. So what does the short-term trip allow you to do? It allows you to meet people like this. It encourages you. It challenges you in, their, in your faith. Let me go on. The next one is, uh, this is cool. So I say the impact of short-term mission trip. This is a note from uh, Abby, and uh, I think I can read it. I actually... Uh, uh, I may have to turn around here. There we go. I actually cried in the pit. We were in Costa Rica. This is Abby. This is our daughter, a seven-year-old. Man. I actually cried in the pit. Thursday, we went ziplining. You know, you got to have some fun when you go on a mission trip. Thursday, we went ziplining, and the last line was the funnest. I love you, Daddy. You don't tell me that has an impact on your kids. You can't buy that, folks. Uh, she's seen the gospel. She's seen it played out all over the world. And uh, it's impacted Abby, our oldest, and she's been on multiple trips and has a heart for missions and wants to serve God. 
studying uh, elementary education in Spanish right now. The next picture is of Emma. That's our baby girl. Emma is, uh, she, uh, she likes to tear her ACL. She's torn both of her ACLs in the past four months. And uh, it's really been tough. But I love and respect Emma because of the way she's handled it. It's been tough. But Emma got to go with me. And I'll share more about, I share this picture because I want to talk about tonight, Harlan, Kentucky. Uh, I think, uh, Mickey, your prayer here is really important because we're talking about praying for uh, our nation, praying for our young people. You want to talk about an epidemic, uh, drugs and people committing suicide uh, because opioids and the drugs, and uh, it's, it's out of control. And we, I, I don't know if our eyes have been open to it. And there's a great need, but it's specifically here in Harlan, Kentucky, where all, all the coal mines moved out and everything, and it's a very depressed and uh, very low and discouraged area. And SCORE International, we go in there, do outreaches, partner with churches, and uh, great impact. We had people save lives change. And I'll tell a story tonight about a lady that was helped. All right, so you can't buy this. So the last picture I um, want to show there, flip on through the family picture, and then we're going to get into the word here. Uh, this is George. I love to show pictures because I think you can relate to stories. And um, George is sitting beside me. I'll never forget George. I get in the plane. I said, be missional. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost, wherever you're at, wherever you're going, be missional. And so I, uh, I sat down, and I'm like, I always pray God put someone beside me that I can talk to. I'm a yacker. I'll talk to anybody. And so this young man talks, uh, sat down beside me, except he wasn't talking at first. He pulls his hoodie over. He pulls it tight. And he goes to sleep, I mean, instantaneously, as I've never seen a kid go to sleep that fast, boom, he was out. And I was like, man, I'm going to miss this opportunity. And so I just started praying, said, God, wake this young man up. I want to talk to him about Jesus. I want to share the gospel with him. Well, God did. About 30 minutes left in the flight, uh, George uh, woke up. I started talking to him, asking questions. He just signed a major league contract to play with the Cleveland Indians. Well, here's what's cool. George and I, I started sharing the gospel. And y'all, it's nothing, I like what you said, where's Jason at? I like what he said, it's not about us, what we do. It's about the gospel, the power of the gospel. But he just uses us as a tool. I just shared, started sharing the gospel. And guess what? George trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior right there. Pretty cool, isn't it? That's pretty cool. Short-term trip. That was back in November going to Dominion Club. Well, he, you say this. Well, you're a pastor and you're supposed to do things like that. Yes, it's right. I am supposed to and so are you. Everybody is on mission. Everybody is to be fulfilling the Great Commission and that is to be making disciples, to evangelize and disciple those that put their faith and trust in Christ. Would you turn to Jonah with me now? And we're going to look at uh, the Great Commission, being obedient to the Great Commission. We'll talk more about that tonight. I think the question we should be asking ourselves right now is why are we not going? Some of you have had an opportunity to go on a, a mission trip uh, and you didn't go. Some of you have had an opportunity to be missional with a neighbor and you didn't go. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But why are we not going? Jonah didn't go. Why are we not going? What is holding us back? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I've got about 15 minutes. I'm going to preach fast but not too fast. I want to share some things here that I think will help all of us today. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being in this great.
Chapter 1 there and verses 1 and 2, we'll start there. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, uh, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Preach, for their wickedness is come up before me. Let me go on and read verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah had the same dilemma that a lot of us have. And that's, we have the commission to go. We've been invited to go. And let me tell you something. This invitation to go is all the time. Just keep, he may, God may invite you to go one moment and the next moment he's going to invite you to go somewhere else. And he continues to invite us to be involved in his work seeing where God is at work and just getting plugged into it and him making that invitation and I got to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Hey, how many of y'all believe this? How many of y'all believe that we have a short time here on this earth? How many of y'all believe that today? Let me just remind you of that. This year, in the past few months, as a pastor, I buried three people in our church in their 40s. I buried three people in our church in the 40s. Life comes quickly. One of my good, dear friends growing up, 48 years old, had a problem with alcohol, was put in jail, and in 20 seconds, a man killed him in jail. 20 seconds. Life comes quickly. I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of time. I've seen people in their 80s and 90s, and you'd think, man, they're fixing the past, whatever. I may go before then. So let's look at this. Think about this. The commission of Jonah. Number one, the commission of Jonah was to go to Nineveh. God was sending Jonah, in, uh, in this case, to a, a foreign nation, to Nineveh. He may not always send you to a foreign nation, to a foreign field, but he may. He may. So, Mickey, I'm going to help you out here, man. We're going to Panama, right? And he's, pardon me, Uganda. I'm, Panama's a good place, too, but, we're, but Mickey's going to Uganda, okay? You got an opportunity in Uganda, and some of y'all are like, I don't know, and you start throwing up all the excuses. Let me, let me encourage you. Just go. There's no obligation, but if God tells you to go, you got to go. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. God's very word, right here, his word sets out the, the blueprint, the priority in our life. And again, as God is speaking to us, and God uses his word to speak into our hearts, we've got to do something about it. We've got to go. The commission was to go to preach. Look at what it says, to cry out against wickedness and evil. And how many of y'all believe that we're living in wicked, evil days? Okay, so he was, and so are we. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It's going to be this way until God comes back, until he cleans it out. All right? But we're going to live in evil, wicked days. So what are we going to do? How are we going to be salt? How are we going to be light? How are we going to make an impact? The city was full of sin and wickedness. Look at there in the first couple of verses. They needed to hear the truth and repent from their wicked ways. Jonah's commission was to go to Nineveh. God may be tell, not be telling us to go on a short-term mission trip, but he may be telling us to go, maybe he's telling us to go to an Ecuador. Maybe he's telling us to go to a Dominican, a Cuba. Maybe he's telling us to go there full-term. You need to go full-time. You need to go, and this is where you need to live. I mean, that's what he did for Will and Laura Lyon. They're missionaries there in Ecuador. They've got two little boys. They're precious missionaries. He, that's what he told Gerald and Kristen Zemer in Romania. He wants them to be there, and this is their life. They love these people. He may not call you to do that, but he may call you to go on a short-term trip to Uganda. 
He may call you on a short trip, trip to Panama that changes your life forever. He may call you and he's called you. He has called everybody to do this, to be a missionary in their neighborhood, in their Jerusalem. He's called you to your neighbor. He's called you to your classmate. He's called you to that. Are you going to go? And that's the question here today. He may be telling us to go to another city or, uh, instead of a country to preach the gospel. He may be telling us to go to our neighbors, to connect them to the gospel. You know, before we go anywhere else, before we step outside of our home, we should start going to our own home. We should start evangelizing our own home. We, start, we should start making disciples in our own home. So what our, I've had, we've had the privilege to lead our kids to the Lord and to disciple them. And so now we go out from there. I've got a neighborhood. I live, anybody live in Middle Valley here, y'all? Anybody in middle, middle? Good. I'm burdened for Middle Valley. I'm burdened for Windsor Estates because there's some people in our neighborhood that are not in church and they're lost. So Dark Commission, it starts there and starts with discipleship there. So the commission is the same for all of us. Go make disciples. Either go or we don't go. Go and experience the blessings of going. Don't go and listen to this and miss the opportunity for God to use you to plant the gospel. I want y'all to hear this. I don't make up stories. I don't fabricate or, uh, you know, make things bigger than it is. I'm going to tell you straight up what happened in my own life as a pastor. I was asked by one of our members to go up the street to one of our neighbors. I was asked by one of our members to go up the street to one of our neighbors who was near death. I had good intentions of going, Brother Tom, up the street to my neighbor's house and to tell them about Jesus before they died. Had great intentions. Everybody listen to me. I, I planned on it. I put it in my schedule. I'm going to do this. So the next Sunday came by and that member came to me and said, look, I just want you to know that person died. That person died. And I'm going to tell you something. It rocked me. It rocked me. It, it hurt me. It bothered me. And it should bother us. I was convicted. I missed an opportunity. It was for me to go. I told my member, I'll go. I'll visit them. I'll plant the... It's not my responsibility to save people but it is my responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. And so is it for you. And I missed the opportunity. I want to tell you something. It's not good. Here's, here's Jonah. The Great Commission. His commission. Go to Nineveh. It's very simple. Go to Nineveh. Just go to Nineveh. That's where, that's where I want you to preach. I want you to cry out. I want you to, I want you to speak to the people. They need to hear. You need to go, Dwight, to your neighbor because they need to hear the gospel. They're near death and time's ticking away. What are you going to do about it? Oh, someone, here's what we'd say. Someone else will do it. Folks, someone else may not do it. If God's telling us to go, we've got to go. The second thing I want to look at is the contempt of Daniel. The contempt. Look at it. Look at verse 3. Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with him unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Take this in for a moment. Look at the verse. Because Jonah was com complete defiance of what God wanted him to do. Where God wanted him to go. Hey, uh, God, you telling me to do this? 
I'm going to do the exact opposite. Not only am I not going, but I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to flee your presence. I'm going to get far, far, far away from what you want me to do. Not only did Jonah disobey God's commission, he fled from his presence as if this is going to change God's mind all of a sudden. Or that God's going to forget about what he asked Jonah to do. Hey, I want to tell you something. You can flee and you can go to the other side of the United States or you can go to the other part of the world. But if God's telling you to do something, it won't change. His commission for you to go, his very specific mission for you to do something, it's not going to change. He wants you to go. And you can flee and you can hide and you can run. But it doesn't change what God wants for your life and for my life. God's commission never changes and never forgets his will for our lives. And I found it always, y'all listen to me today, I have found it always best to just be obedient to God. When I have been disobedient, I'm going to tell you something. I have felt, I have felt, man, the chastening of God, I have felt, man, missed opportunities. How many of y'all live busy lives? Would you raise your hand? We all do. Our lives are like, I mean, rat race. There you are, Jason. I found you. I was looking for you up there. Uh, Tom, is your life busy as a pastor? I know it is. So one of those busy days, we're talking about just, man, I'm too busy to serve God. And I'm just going to do something exactly opposite. No, this is one of those days I pulled out in my white sport track. I love that vehicle. God gave me that vehicle. Put 250,000 miles on I used to carry about 10 kids to church in that vehicle. We'd cram them in there. Anyways, I'm pulling out of Calvary Baptist Church. You know where our church is, right down the road here. I pull out. I get on the Dayton Boulevard. As soon as I pull on the Dayton Boulevard, my eye catches a young man sitting in the corner of our parking lot. Divine appointment. God, I'm going to be Jonah for a minute. You're telling me to do that. I'm going, I'm going the exact opposite way. I'm too busy. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to be obedient. I got some more important things to do. I'm not going to do that. I don't know if that young man needs Jesus. I don't know if he's going to heaven or hell. I don't know any of those things, but I'm going to go the exact opposite way. Hey, folks, I'm going to tell you, I struggled. Here's what I struggled with. I'm busy, God. I argued with God for a few moments. God, I'm too busy today to talk to that young man. He just kind of just a little poor looking little feller. And I don't think, you know, he needs to be messed with today. You know what? I stopped. Turned around, pulled in the parking lot, left, let down my tailgate and started talking to this young man. I'm glad I started talking to this young man because he sat down got to share the gospel with him. He got saved right there in the parking lot of our church. One year later, one year later, I buried that young man. He wasn't even 21 years old. Folks, if God tells you to go, comply. Be obedient. It's small things. That's a small thing. But no, honestly, someone's eternal life and soul, that's a big thing. That's a really big thing. Go on, and I'm going to finish here quickly. Look at verse 4. God sends a great storm. You know the story. Just about breaks apart the ship. Verse 5, Jonah's asleep. He's, he's good in his rebellion. Everyone else fearing their, for the life. Verse 7, they cast lots on who has caused evil. It falls to Jonah. And man, it singles him out. He and him alone was the reason why this was happening. Verse 12, Jonah tells him to throw him overboard. Throw me overboard. Did you get that? I'm, I'm, man, I'm done. I'm just, just throw me overboard. You, you could say a lot about that. 
Verse 15, cast Jonah into the sea. They do that. Storm stops. How many of y'all know this, that our rebellion, our sin affects a whole lot of other people than ourselves? How many of y'all know that? It does. So that's what was happening. Verse 10, excuse me, verse 17, Jonah swallowed up by a big fish. Verse 1, look at Jonah 2, verse 1, if you'll look there quickly. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, out of the fish's belly. He's praying. He's turning to God now. He turned away from God. Now he's turning back to God. He's turning back to God. Verse 10, Jonah is spit up. I got to tell you, man, my brother was telling me a st- funny story yesterday. He works at a bank, Regents Bank, across uh, the, uh, in, in uh, East Brainerd there. And a man was, came in very upset because they didn't handle this money right. And somehow in some part of the uh, conversation, before the conversation, his wife gave him a cracker because he was a little weak. But by the time he got in the bank, he was pretty strong. And as he was talking to uh, the uh, people there, the branch manager, Crackers were just flying out of his mouth. Just flying out of his mouth. And I just picture that. Here's, here's Jonah just flying out of the mouth of the well of the big fish. Flying out. I mean, y'all, let me tell you something. This isn't, young people, y'all have heard this story. Everybody here has heard this story. Guess what? This isn't a make-believe story. This happened. I caught a really big fish the other day. But I've never caught a fish like that that could swallow a man. I can tell you that right now. I'd freak out and die probably right there. This happened. God orchestrated all of this. This is the God we serve. Now Jonah's praying. Now he spit out on dry land. Guess what happens? Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 3. And the Lord, here we go. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city and preach unto it, preaching that I bid thee. Go. I, aren't you glad for the God of second chances here today, folks? Are y'all glad for that today? Because I sure am, because there's times where I've messed up and I've not fulfilled, and God gave me a second chance. He redeemed me. He forgave me. All of my past, all my sin is under the blood. Aren't you thankful for that today, that he can still use us? And he still used Jonah to go to Nineveh, even in in spite of his disobedience. Let's look at the compliance as I close. Verse 3. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, three days journey. And you can talk about that. You know the rest of the story. God used Jonah to reach Nineveh. Lives were impacted. You ever thought about the lives that were missed by Jonah's disobedience. And I, I, I like to think about that. I like to take a look in the mirror. Man, God, I, I wish I would have obeyed you sooner because there was opportunities missed. But now you give me a second chance and now people's lives are being impacted. It's nothing about me. I like what you said, Jason. It's not about us. But God does want to use us as tools in his hand to give the gospel to our neighbors to our family, to our neighbors, to our community, to our cities. Come back tonight. I want to talk to you about Harlan, Kentucky. I want to talk to you about different cities that need the gospel, just like people come here. Do you know there's more missionaries coming here now than we're sending out? There are more countries sending missionaries here to the United States than we are sending out to other foreign countries. Did you hear what I just said, y'all? There are more countries sending missionaries here to the United States. Look at it. 
The question is, are we complying with God's will when it comes to the Great Commission? To the family, to the neighbors, to the co-worker, to the community, to the cities, wherever it may be. Short-term, full-term, just go. I'll close with this. If you'll close your Bibles there. And um, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love telling people about what Jesus did. About what Jesus did. In our brokenness, Jesus came to us. And he laid his life down willingly to die on the cross. He shed blood that redeemed all of mankind. And he did that for everyone. Not just a select few, but for everyone. And not only did he die, but he rose again so that we could have eternal life. Are y'all thankful for that today? That's the gospel. So a few years ago, we were going on a trip to Costa Rica. And I was really busy. And I needed uh, to get things ready. And I said, babe, here's the passports. I got our three passports, mine, my wife's, and uh, Abby's. So here's the passports. I put a rubber band and said, put those in your purse. Put them in the uh, purse. We get to the airport. 48 people from our church are going on a mission trip to Costa Rica on mission for God. My wife's there at the uh, ticket counter. She goes, hey, hey, babe, where's your passport? I said, I, I gave it to you there. Uh, it's wrapped up with yours and Abby's. She goes, no, it's not here. So you're, I'm the leader of this group. I mean, my heart just sunk. I said, where is my, because I'd had everybody get their passport. Where's your passport? Where's your passport? The leader doesn't have his passport. She goes, I've got mine. I've got Abby's. I've got your old one that has a hole through it. I said, you're kidding me. I couldn't go through security. I couldn't go, I couldn't go anywhere. I'm, I mean, I'm shut down. Um, my wife goes on through security. They go, they go to the terminal, get on the plane. She can't help me. She's 30,000 feet in the air. I'm flying back. I won't tell you, I'm sorry, I'm confessing right now. I didn't fly back in a plane. I flew back in a car to Chattanooga. And uh, I went to our house. I, I didn't know where the passport was. I had nowhere I did look. I started slinging. I'm, I'm a sweater, you know, like sweat, you know, perspire. I sweat a lot. And I mean, I was sweating so much, I ripped my shirt off. I'm throwing uh, things everywhere, files going everywhere. I threw a file on the kitchen table. My passport slides out. I grab it. I run back to the car, get back. I'm telling you the story for this. When I thought I'm fixing to miss this and not go on this trip, it crushed me, Tom. I want to go. I want to be with my wife. I want to be with my daughter. But I want to go. And I want to give the gospel. I don't want to miss the opportunity. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?